Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 76. We are at our Super Bowl preview episode. Today we're going to dive into the Super Bowl matchup and then we're going to talk about a little NFL news as well. well. Actually, we'll probably do that first. So we'll talk about, I think, Stafford to the Rams, a few head coaching changes and, and dive into the implications of all those and then uh, do a little Brady versus Mahomes uh, breakdown and, and what we think might shake out in the Super Bowl here. But first and foremost, my name is Cyrus. I have my co-hosts Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan here with me. How you guys doing on this uh, beautiful afternoon? Doing okay. The pain of the loss has eased <laughs> a little bit. So, you know, it might hurt a little bit when I when we watch uh, this Sunday and seeing what could have been. But uh, for the moment, I am I'm somewhat calmed and appreciative of which, the fantastic season. Which loss are you <laughs> referring to here? Just in case there's new listeners, people who aren't familiar with your affinities for certain teams. What, what's uh? Let's rehash it a little bit. Yeah, the collapse in the NFC Championship by the Green Bay Packers uh, on both sides of the ball at different times. You know, defense didn't show up the first half. Then, you know, the offense went to sleep a little bit in the second half at, at certain points, and it all culminated in a home loss for Aaron Rodgers' first ever home NFC Championship game. So that, yeah. that, that stung a little bit, but Mike Pettin is gone. That's That's a positive. The special teams coach is gone as well also a positive so you know Aaron Rodgers is coming back there are some positive things going on in Green Bay so still moderately optimistic uh, uh, for the season coming up next year um, although there are some things a moving and a shaking and the NFC might be very tough next year once again I think it will be um, but you know as Durgan and I are all too familiar with you can't be disappointed in the playoffs if you're not in the playoffs that's so. true that's <laughs> true that is true. Um, but how you my, doing, Durgan? My week was better than Casey's. Uh, I got nothing to complain about. I'm excited for Super Bowl. Super Bowl is the best sporting event, in my opinion, of anything. So I'm excited for it. I don't care who's playing. Even if it's two quarterbacks, I do not want to see win again. I'm excited to watch it. And uh, I'm ready to share my elite football knowledge with all you listeners here. <laughs> That's uh. I feel like every week I ask you how you're doing, you're like, oh, I'm doing better than Casey, like as if that's like the bar, like you just, you see how Casey's doing, you one up that in terms of how you're doing. Uh, well, he, he's sad. I'm, I'm not sad. My team sucked this year, so it's like, ah, not whatever. Sad. Like, he Look at him smiling. We're on we're on FaceTime here on the podcast. He's not sad. He's over it. He's ready for the offseason. Um, he's ready for the Super Bowl. We're going to have a ton of draft coverage as well, so maybe the Packers will take a wide receiver this year. We'll find out. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the trade that happened there was a big blockbuster trade Stafford went to the Rams I did not expect this I mean I expected him to be traded but I did not expect the Rams to be a player I'm not necessarily mad at it but I'm a little I don't know I'm I'm torn so let's let's dive into it what do you what do you think about this trade Durgan for your favorite head coach in the league (laughs) yeah so the trade uh Stafford to the Rams for two first round picks that's be 2022 2023 a third-round pick in the future, and Jared Goff. Uh, first off, for the Lions, it's a great trade for them. I mean, everybody knew Matt Stafford was going to get traded, and they still got two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and Jared Goff, who, yeah, he's not great, but he's a starting quarterback in the league. I don't think anybody could argue that. I mean, he might be the lower third or lower fourth in terms of talent, but he, he can do the job. And it means that you don't have to rush to draft a quarterback just to draft one to have guy on a team. You have Jerry Goff, try it out, doesn't work, probably won't, move on a year or two years from now, no matter what, you're going to suck. No big deal. 
for the Rams, uh, for next year, it's huge because I think they're one of the favorites in the NFC. Uh, them, Packers, and Bucks. I mean, a, lot, a lot can happen, obviously, from now until the start of next year. But those are the three teams right now that I look at in NFC, and those are the teams you got to beat. Um, and Stafford, we talked about last week. Talent-wise, he's a borderline top-five quarterback. He can make every throw. He's a good enough athlete. He's better in golf in essentially every single category across the board. So that's huge. But what it really comes down to, in my opinion, and why I'm so puzzled by it, is the Rams have so much money invested into their top players. And also, they have to pay Jared Goff $22 million next year in dead cap to not play on the team. And then you have to also add in Todd Gurley's $8 million dead cap for next year to not play on their team. So that's $30 million invested in two guys you're not going to play. And if you get their top six contracts, plus Goff and Gurley, your cap is at 140. The cap is going to be probably no more than 180 next year because it's going down because of loss of revenue. So you're looking at $40 million left for 47 players to fill out your roster. That is wild. Absolutely crazy. Did a good job of drafting guys in the middle rounds and turning them into decent starters. But you're going to have a lot of undrafted rookie free agents, I think, this year, and a lot of guys off the streets uh, on the veteran minimum in order to and play you know big minutes or big snaps for you. So it'll be interesting to see how they fill out this roster. And they're really a, they're an Aaron Donald injury away. They're a Matt Stafford injury away from being a, like the Niners this year and not very good. So it's risky. You're putting your chips in the middle, and it's a, a unique strategy because I don't think anybody's ever gone seven straight years without making a first-round pick. But if it comes out and you win a Super Bowl out of it, completely worth it. Last thing I want to make a note of, the last first-round pick was Jared Goff, who they traded, I believe it was third, or three first-round picks for, and then they traded him away, essentially, to get rid of him for two first-round picks. So that's five first-round picks to acquire and then get rid of Jared Goff, all within a five-year span, which is pretty crazy. But once again, that marriage between him and uh, McVay was toast. They were done. That, that was not going to work out in the future, and they got their guy. Yeah, I mean, I, there, there's a lot to unpack with the, the trade. And I think ultimately the Rams, whether it's a good or bad trade ultimately, um, I think they are one of the better teams at realizing that you can't get a return on your sunk costs. So you already paid Goff. You already spent the picks on him. He's not the guy. Why hold on to him longer than you need to? Same with Todd Gurley. Like you, you, tra- you drafted him. You paid him. And then all of a sudden he falls off the cliff. Why hold on to him just because you paid him? You know, find a way to offload that contract. And I think I read that um, they do have a lot of dead cap from Goff on that uh, that cap. But combined with Stafford, ultimately it's about the same as what Goff would have cost them, you know, next year anyways. So it, it sort of evens out in total. Um, and it sounds like that extra first round pick that they sent to the Lions was to uh, assuage that contract and thank the Lions for taking that on because that's sort of the big part that they they didn't want. They didn't want the contract and the contract was not matching the production at the quarterback position. As an unbiased fan, just looking at it, I fucking love the first round picks being slung around and traded all over the place. It makes things exciting. Uh, it makes it feel like the NBA a little bit where, where guys are yep. flying around and big trades and 
you know you're you're smashing that refresh button on on reddit or twitter and you know there's crazy stuff happening all the time um so i'm into it as long as it doesn't involve my team doing something (laughs) wild (laughs) i love to watch it um but ultimately i think you know it's it's come down to a little bit of a how you want to build your team and if the rams believe that they are good enough and i think they are that they're drafting in the bottom half of the first round regardless so if you're picking at you know 24 to 32 every year um how much of a difference in talent is that pick from a late second if they feel like you know pick 24 and pick 60 something are relatively the same talent wise like there's not a huge drop off then your first round picks mean a lot less so if you are confident in your ability to draft and find those those guys then you know it's a lot easier to trade away those first round picks and go get your guys like brandon cooks and jalen ramsey and and matthew stafford um so i think it's an interesting way to build your team um you know since the the cba before this one with the rookie contracts i think that's been the formula for winning your Super Bowl and building your team is doing the most you can while your quarterback is on the rookie contract. And now this is sort of a different look at how to build your team and saying like, hey, we have some pieces. Let's push in the chips and trade these first because the draft is already a crapshoot, especially at the bottom of the first round. Like you don't know what you're going to get um, as far as busts or or big winners. And, and you really don't know for a couple of years after the fact. So I, I like it. It's new. It's inventive. Even if they don't win the Super Bowl, if they continue to have success, I, I think some teams might be more willing to to go that route. Um, so it'll be interesting to watch. I, I think every team is really a quarterback injury away or a defensive star injury away from having a total collapse. Like if Aaron Rodgers goes down, the Packers are probably done. Um, you know, Russell Wilson goes down, the Seahawks are done. Uh, you lose Kittle, the 49ers are done. Uh, you lose Aaron Donald, you know, the the Rams are, are going to struggle as they did against the Packers a little bit in the playoffs. So uh, every team is susceptible to that on some degree, and, and maybe the Rams are a little bit more top-heavy he- than others. But um, I like the I like the trade. I think it, it worked. It was beneficial for both of them, and uh, Stafford is going to make – they're going to be a tough out. The Rams are going to be a tough out, especially in that division. If you look at that division and you're like, man, the 49ers got a defense. They're going to be healthy. Nick Bosa's back. Russell Wilson's over there. Kyler Murray's over there. Uh, Jimmy G has shown flashes. And when he's healthy, he's played really well. Um, and here we are with Jared Goff, who doesn't seem to be the answer. So we need to do something to be competitive and make sure we, we stake a claim on this division here while we have Aaron Donald in his prime, while we have Jalen Ramsey. Uh, while we have Robert Woods on contract, while we have Cooper Cup, and and let's go get it. So I liked it overall. I, I was I was a fan of the trade. Well said, and and you know, winning cures all, right? If uh, Stafford leads the Rams out there and they win ten plus games, make the playoffs, and and make a make a run, whether or not they they win the Super Bowl, I don't think anyone's going to remember these two first round picks that are uh, that are bye bye, right? So. <laughs> The thing, the thing to consider here, I, you know, draft picks are important, and and there's implications beyond just the player you get. It's also the salary cap implications and having talent on a cheaper contract versus what you would sign in the free agent. But they're also somewhat overrated, and you touched on it a little bit, Casey. But it is a crapshoot. 
you know, especially where the where the Rams would be drafting, there's no guarantees. You're not necessarily getting an impact player. So I, I don't hate it for that reason as well, because I think Stafford is actually a top quarterback in this league. I think he's been in a kind of a perennially bad situation. It feels like he's kind of been stuck in a perpetual state of rebuilding with the Lions outside of a few seasons here and there in this sort of mediocrity um, that it's really unfortunate because he's a great quarterback. I mean, he's one of the eight quarterbacks in NFL history to throw for 5,000 yards in a season. People forget that. Um, so he'll depart as the all-time leader in completions, passing yards, touchdowns, and quarterback wins for the Lions. And uh, I think, you know, this is, if there's any winner in this trade, for me, it's Matt, Matthew Stafford, right? I don't know that there's another quarterback that really needed a, a, a new sort of fresh start as much as he he does right now so this is going to be a scary rams team um and it's interesting because you look at the nfc west now i think the niners might now unquestionably have the worst quarterback in the division like before maybe you could make the case between jimmy g and and jared goff i still maybe don't think so but um now i don't know that's tough what what do you do as the niners i mean you feel like you got to kind of you got to do something here maybe uh maybe a little all in, push the chips in as well for some Deshaun, Deshaun Watson action or something. I don't know. It'll don't be know, interesting. Maybe, maybe the, you would, like that. Do you like that? Oh, no, no. Do you no like Kirk that? Cousins, please. Kirk Cousins? No, no. <laughs> I, I, Kirk Cousins is like Shanahan's – Like he, nobody loves Kirk Cousins more than Kyle Shanahan because he essentially drafted, developed him, made him what he is. But, Kyle, please. Jimmy is not that much worse than Kirk Cousins. I think they're equal, at least – Kirk Cousins stays healthy, so that's one thing he's going from. But please, don't do not do all this stuff. Yeah, it's like excited for Matt Stafford, Deshaun Watson, and get Kirk Cousins. I'd be so disappointed. So disappointed. I'd probably cry. Well, I I don't know that I agree. I think Kirk Cousins is probably better than Jimmy G. But anyways, but, but not we, don't have, to, we don't have to go not down this. <laughs> we, can, we can save this for an off-season discussion. I, yes. I feel like we could dive into the Niners situation here. But they're in a precarious position in the NFC mm-hmm. West. The NFC West has only gotten better here. Um, and I think the Rams are in a position yep. to potentially win the division next year. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting. Also, fun fact, Jared Goff actually has more Pro Bowls than Matthew Stafford. He has two. Matthew Oof. Stafford has one. Fun fact. Not that that really matters at all, <laughs> but just throwing that out there. Um, well, Jared Goff had that one like incredible year, and I was like, oh my gosh, like he's the next big thing, and then fell hard. Fell hard. <laughs> Listen. It could be a nice fresh start for him, too. Hey, the, the Lions are probably not as good as the Rams in the skill positions. I mean, they have Marvin Jones Jr. and, and uh, Kenny Galladay, but, right? But Those are solid free, receivers. Free agents, though. They're both free agents. So Then never mind. <laughs> Forget I said anything. I, I want to make uh, one quick point. One quick, that's true. One quick point I want to make, and I'll give credit to uh, our guy Grant Cohn, who's a Niners writer on Twitter. He's one of the gazillion Niners media members who said Stafford was going to the Niners. He got my hopes up. So screw him for that. But he gives a lot of credit, I will as well, to Boy Wonder for making this trade. Because Boy Wonder, Sean McVay's contract ends in 2023. Let's say this ship goes south real quick. And the Stafford acquisition doesn't pick up, doesn't work out. The team is decimated. The only first round picks. He can leave. His, his you know, stock will still be high. He'll still be a young guy. And he can go anywhere he wants. So he sees this window, the chance to win. And if it doesn't work out, okay, he's going to go somewhere else and win. So I give him a lot of credit for being very aggressive. I think he's the one that went to the management and said, okay, Jared Goff's now our guy. 
we need Stafford, we need a Aaron Rodgers, we need a Watson. Stafford is the most reasonable to get, so we're going to go get him. And they did. So credit to Boy Wonder for doing something good for once. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Stock this will be exciting to watch. I think this will be one of the key storylines to look at here as we get into the offseason next season. Um, speaking of other storylines, I don't know if this is a key storyline. We have the, I think this is pretty much the last head coaching position, right? The Texans. That yes. mm-hmm. is. So the Texans hired David Culley, uh, really hot commodity out there. Durgan, <laughs> what do you think? I, I, who? Before this uh, head coaching cycle, I'd never heard of him. He's 65 years old. So he's not like a young upstart coach. He's been around forever, so give him credit for that. He's Raven's assistant head coach, so Harbaugh you know, says how great of a leader he is, how great of a coach he is, but he kind of has to say that. And it, it's, it's just like a desperate hire. I, I think that the fact that Deshaun Watson's like, I, I want out, and he was really upset by the fact that they didn't interview Robert Sala, they didn't interview Eric Bieniemy until – kind of forced the issue i think he really wanted to see them take a step towards diversity and they didn't do that and they went with david coley who why would deshaun watson want to play for him like what qualities is he going to bring as a head coach to bring out the best of him he seems like a guy who's going to be around for three four years kind of get this rebuild on on the come up get it going and then they'll dump him for another guy why does deshaun watson want to be part of a rebuild so i don't it, it makes no sense to me uh, nothing against the guy david coley but I hope he uh, rents and doesn't buy a home in Houston area. Yeah, I mean, let's be blunt about the Texan situation. It's not a good one. You know, people weren't knocking down the door to, nope. to get in there, and this might have just been the guy that, you know, he's cut his teeth for a long time. He's been in the NFL for, like, over 20 years. He's been a position coach the whole time. He's never been a coordinator, and he has an opportunity now to go be a head coach. And despite how disastrous it seems that that organization is doing right now uh it seems like an opportunity that was too good to pass up that's like you know that's your dream if you're a coach in the nfl and you have the opportunity to be a head coach you you go give it a shot um so this brilliant orchestrator of the chiefs team in 2014 who had a sum total of zero total um receiving touchdowns he was the receivers coach that year um so you know he he's been a receivers coach most of his his time. He was a quarterback coach when Josh Allen was terrible in his rookie year with Buffalo. Oh, uh, nice. We know how Josh Allen has looked since then. Yes, yeah, since. Um, and then he was recently, most recently, the receivers coach with the Ravens, who had uh, no receivers struggles struggles at the receiver position. So he doesn't have the most illustrious track record recently, and. Uh, you know, that's maybe why one of the reasons he was available. What he did have going for him, though, was he was a believer in Jesus Christ. And for Jack Asterby, that was the most that's important all he thing. Needed. Yeah. You know, a very religious man um, is now infiltrating his way into the Texans or- organization, has the ear of McNair, the owner, and uh, believes strongly in bringing in men of God. There was also a rumor that they're going to bring in Josh McCown, the former Eagles legend who pulled his, his butt muscle in the playoffs, filling in for Carson Wentz, um, who also happens to be a very religious man of God. And uh, he was supposed to be groomed by David Culley for a couple of years. And then Culley was supposed to ride off into the sunset. And uh, McCown was a, uh, supposed to ascend to the head coaching position in Houston. Um so, you know, 
the Texans are going to banish all the non-believers in the NFL. They're going to um, change their their logo to like you know the, that of the Catholic Church in like the medieval times with the cross. Uh, they're going to have like an emblazoned <laughs> shield, like a crusader, and Houston they're crusaders. just going to you know total rebrand, total I mean, rebrand, name, actually, and yeah, Jack Astor B's image. So. Uh, it'll be an, an interesting dumpster fire to watch this year, I think. Yeah, I think you pretty much summed it up. I have really no other thoughts. Um, very, very well done, Casey. Uh, if this, you know, podcast doesn't work out. You maybe want to explore some stand-up comedy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, li listen, this franchise—they're entering a rebuild sooner rather than later. With Deshaun Watson requesting a trade, I mean, he said he was going to hold out. I don't know that he will, but. I, you know, I don't think he's going to be on the Houston Texans uh, or Houston Crusaders, excuse me, come yeah. next season. So that'll be that'll be interesting to follow. But this team is definitely headed nowhere fast. So I don't know. I don't know what they do. I don't know what the next steps are. They didn't really make a very inspiring head coaching hire. But you never you never truly know until he has his, you know, until he has his system in place. Maybe they'll be good, but probably not. Let's move on. We have the main event, the reason you are all here. We are going to dive in to the Super Bowl and who we think will win our picks, give a little bit of reasoning behind why, um, and our score prediction as well. So, Durgan, we'll start with you. What yes. do you think happens in what will be a historic game where the Tampa Bay Bucks are playing at home in the Super Bowl? Yeah, the whole postseason, I've been saying you don't bet against Tom Brady, you don't bet against the GOAT. So what am I going to do here? I'm going to bet against the GOAT. I'm going to go with the Chiefs 34-24. And I don't honestly see this game being overly competitive. Uh, I think the Chiefs will start out really quickly. Uh, they should know that the Bucks defense is incredibly aggressive. And they will try to blitz more than anybody else in the whole league. So they have to get rid of the ball quick. And especially that Eric Fisher is out. Uh, Daniel Kilgore, their center, is out with COVID. Their barber. Gave them COVID. How crazy that sounds. Uh, so th their offensive line is not what it was last year, not what it was a few weeks ago. So they're, they're going to three-trap drops, get the ball to Kelsey, get the ball to Tyreek Hill. And they should learn from last year, the Niners were successful for three and a half quarters against Mahomes because they got pressure on them nonstop. And Andy Reid is too smart to let that happen again. So I expect a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of screens. Uh, not asking Mahomes to do too much early, and I think they'll be uh, in their favor. I think the Bucks defense won't be ready for that. They played earlier this year, and that's when Tyreek Hill had like 200 yards receiving in the first quarter. Absolutely killed me in fantasy, but whatever, I'm over it. Uh, but, of course, when you go against Brady, your team always has a chance. And the Chiefs defense is playing well, and they make big plays at the right time. But Brady in the Super Bowl might not have always the prettiest of stats, but he always comes up with the big play. However, I think the Chiefs defense forces two turnovers in the first half alone and force the Bucks to throw a lot in the second half, which is not what they want to do. Uh, that's not the way they're going to win this game. So I think it'll be a 34-24, but I think it'll be 34-17 until the very end where the Bucks score a garbage time touchdown. Mahomes um, will win MVP, of course, because that's how the league operates. But the real MVPs of this game will be Travis Kelsey and Tyron Matthew. Uh, Tyron Matthew, I think, is we all know his name, 
but people talk about how Minka, Jamal Adams, uh, other safeties are the best. But I think in a one-game scenario, he's the guy I'm taking. He's a big-time player, always makes big plays when it matters, and Honey Badger is one of my favorite players of all time. Yeah, you touched on it a little bit in the beginning there. I think there is a little bit of cause concern for concern for the Kansas City Chiefs, and it starts with that offensive line against a very good and uh, increasingly healthy defensive line in front mm-hmm. seven for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, so with Eric Fisher going down with that torn Achilles in the AFC Championship game, the Chiefs are left with Mike Remmers at left tackle. He's never taken a snap at left tackle in a game. Um, they have Steven Wisnowski at uh, right guard, who started one game at right guard. And they have Andrew Wiley at right tackle, who started one game at right tackle. And then now they're they're going to be missing their center. So that would make me nervous if I was a Chiefs fan and if I was Andy Reid and if I was Patrick Mahomes, who is still dealing with turf toe. Uh, is, you know, seemed like he was moving around okay, but... Um, and now has a couple of weeks of rest, but that's something that's that can be difficult to game plan around. If you're just deficient in talent at the offensive line, you know, ultimately, if you're the Bucks, you can blitz and you can guarantee one-on-one situations across that line. And you're saying, Shaq Barrett, JPP, you're going to win your matchups. You're going to get to Mahomes and cause some problems. And that's what Nick Bosa did last year. I mean, we saw it. And, you know, the Chiefs were eventually able to overcome and, and wear the 49ers down. But that's where the Bucks have the most clear advantage to me uh, on the entire field. So if JPP and Shaq Barrett show up, and they do some damage like they did against the Packers offensive line. I was very confident in the Packers offensive line. Like they were one of the best offensive lines the entire year, even with David Bakhtiari going down. Like they handled Aaron Donald, no problem. They handled the Rams, no problem. They handled Khalil Mack in week 17, no problem without David Bakhtiari. And they sacked Rodgers five times. So if, if the Bucks can can find a way to, to get that pressure and uh, get the ball out of Mahomes' hands, prevent those big explosive plays, which the, the Chiefs are known for, I think that's their formula to being able to win. Whether that will happen, I'm not super confident in um, because I think the, the matchup, aside from that offensive line and defensive line, is Travis Kelsey versus Devin White. And Devin White is very fast, very aggressive linebacker, but uh, Kelsey is, at this point, he's a veteran, and he is one of the most consistent tight ends at the receiving position in the entire league. And especially with Kittle out this year, I mean, I think there's it's, it's a no doubt Kelsey's the best tight end in the league this year, for sure. Yeah. You can argue about blocking and stuff next year when, when Kittle is back, but Kelsey keeps improving. He keeps finding ways to get open. Um, the Chiefs use him in the perfect way, and... Uh, I think the the Bucks' best chance is maybe to find a way to double Kelsey, um, bracket him underneath and up top, and say like we're gonna get home with our pass rush against your beat up offensive line. So we're we're gonna take the risk and say Tyreek Hill go beat us again. If you can you know stay upright, Mahomes, long enough to get it to him down downfield, then then so be it. But that that's sort of the the plan that I might have if I was the Buccaneers. Um, Thing is, I've never been a believer in the Bucks. I didn't even believe them last week when they beat the Packers, um, and I still don't. They may have th- scored thirty plus points every playoff matchup, but it's a very deceiving offense. You're seeing a lot of short yardage, 
touchdowns from that offense, and they've really, really struggled to sustain drives through the duration of games. Um, so they're very hot and cold, as they have been all year, and they've found ways to win. Props to them. Um, but against a team that can score at will almost in the Chiefs, I, I don't think that's going to be enough. So if you throw three interceptions against the Chiefs, um, you know I don't think they're going to lay an egg like the Packers did and not be able to go capitalize on those turnovers. So uh, I'm going to ultimately side with the Chiefs. I, I think it might be pretty close, especially because of that offensive line and defensive line matchup. Um, but I just don't I don't trust the Bucks at this point. And the Chiefs have, have really come, come on strong. They had a close one against the Browns, and they blew out the Bills. Um, I just trust the Chiefs a lot more, and it seems like there might be another AFC dynasty in the making here. Yeah, and uh, again, well said, Casey. Well done. Um, thank you but i you know okay a few things stood out to me one first off we talked about it bucks playing at home in tampa i kind of hate it like that bothers me a little bit i know there's nothing you can do about it but it just i feel like the super bowl should be sort of on even even ground um you know but whatever anyway nothing you can do about that but let me put some some chiefs fans minds at ease here so loss of eric fisher definitely hurts o-line not being you know fully healthy definitely hurts but Pro Football Focus grades Patrick Mahomes since 2018 as the number one quarterback when under pressure. So it's not all lost. And and he will still play big, right? He has 58 big-time throws, which are count as big plays. I mean, I'm sure Tyreek Hill helps with that, right? Travis Kelsey helps with that. Um, but when under pressure. 30 touchdowns when under pressure. That's first and second, respectively, since 2018. So... He's going to play well, whether or not his offensive line performs is the way I look at it. So if pressuring him doesn't work and then not pressuring him doesn't work, I don't know how you beat Patrick Mahomes. And I don't think you do. I don't think Todd Bowles knows either. I think he's probably sitting in his, in his wherever he does his, his defensive coordinator work and just like, fuck, like, what do I do? Like, I wish I planned for this for like four months because I literally have no idea how we're going to stop this Chiefs offense. Um, on the other hand, we, we take it to the flip side. There is a proven recipe and formula for beating Tom Brady that is simple in theory, but difficult to actually do and pull off. The key to beating Tom Brady is putting serious pressure on him. You're probably going to win if you can get consistent pressure on Tom Brady. Um, and if you need if you need proof of that, you just look at the previous Super Bowl losses he's had, and you'll notice one thing. They're all basically the same. Tom Brady has got, got beat up for four quarters, and his team ends up losing, even if by a close margin— the key was Tom Brady getting essentially just demolished every single quarter by, you know, a strong front four, blitzes, whatever it may be. And the one person who knows about this happens to be the Chiefs defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo. He did it on the Giants. He was the Giants yep. defensive coordinator in 2007 when they beat uh, the Patriots, who were then undefeated. They beat them 17 to 14. So... I don't know. I think I think the answer to beating Tom Brady is a little bit more clear than the answer to beating Patrick Mahomes, and you have somebody who's done it. Another thing that can kind of slow down Brady is every Super Bowl that he's been in has had a slow first quarter. He has never led his team to a touchdown in the first quarter of a Super Bowl. In all of his nine Super Bowls, he's never scored a touchdown in the first quarter, which kind of blows my mind just when I think about it. Like that, What are the chances that that is a thing? But, you know, when you talk about the greatest quarterback of all time, like that's, I don't know, it's kind of uncanny. But uh, if they get off to a slow start here and the Chiefs don't, 
if the Chiefs take a two-score lead in the first quarter, that does not bode well for the Bucks. I don't know that they're going to be able to catch up and keep pace. The Chiefs also have another thing, which I think, you know, having Andy Reid as a head coach for the Eagles and, and things like that, you've, you've noticed these, but uh, Andy Reid is just notoriously good coming off of buys, coming off of bye weeks, having, having a week of rest. In his 22-year uh, career, he's 26-5 and five coming off of a bye week. Uh, so... Hey, you know, That's the good. Pro Bowl, that counts as a bye week. So we're coming into the Super Bowl. He had a week of rest, and I like his chances. The only thing that is even more impressive than Andy Reid coming off a of bye week is Patrick Mahomes coming off of a bye week. As a starter, he's 7-0 and coming off bye weeks, and the Chiefs averaged almost 36 points per game in those games. So I don't know. I just look at the information. I look at my gut. I look at what I kind of feel, and I just don't think there's any way the Bucks can keep pace like with this with this Chiefs team. I don't know that there's anybody who can, and we've touched on this before. And you know, ultimately, what I think I'm trying to say is that the Chiefs are going to score a lot. The Bucks might also score a lot, but they won't score as much. And it's just it's just the way that I see this happening. I think the Chiefs have a chance to become the first repeat champions uh, in 16 years. And like Casey said, this is going to be a dynasty. I mean, it's going to be a dynasty as long as Patrick Mahomes can stay healthy and play at a, at a high level. And that's why you locked him up for 10 years, $500 million, because there's nobody doing it as good as he is. And he's only like 23, 24. So it's it's kind of insane. And uh, lots more of this to come potentially in the future. He is going to be this generation's Tom Brady, in, in a sense, I think. Um, so... If the Chiefs come out with a bang, I don't know that the Bucks can recover. I'm going to take Chiefs, say, 40-ish points, Bucks 30-ish points. It'll be a fun game. I think it'll be a, an offensive uh, game, and I'm excited for the Super Bowl. Yeah, you mentioned, I mean, Brady's deal with pressure, and, and the Chiefs are actually one of the more aggressive yep. blitzing defenses. So they'll do, especially in the red zone, they like to, to go cover zero, and you know Brady has sort of seen it all at this point. But yeah. They want to accelerate that decision-making process in the in the red zone, especially because you have a little bit of more help at the the back of the end zone and, and keeping that's like your extra defender. You have the sideline and you have the back of the end zone, and you can't really get beat for a deep play, right? You got 20 yards to defend, so um, you know they're they're aggressive there. And if you're trading field goals for for touchdowns, you know that's that's a recipe the Chiefs like. And Brady has also had difficulty locating safeties. He threw three interceptions against the, the Packers. He had a, a stretch during the year where he was just not locating rotating safeties. And the Chiefs also do a lot of that. Um, so if, if they can, yeah, if, if they turn over Tom Brady and get some pressure on him, it's going to be tough for the, for the, the Bucks, even if they have success on the defensive line and, and getting to Patrick Mahomes on the other side. So it'll, it should be a good matchup, though. I am disappointed I have to root for a guy in his 10th Super Bowl <laughs> yeah. or a guy to go repeat, but these are the cards we have been dealt, and uh, so here we are. Real quick, Casey, so are you sort of, your mentality coming off of a Packers loss, are you rooting for... Are you rooting for the Bucks to win so you can say you lost to this, the best team, the Super Bowl no. champions, or are you rooting against the team that beat you because you just you're hella mad and you just despise them? No, I'm always vindictive. There you go. Okay. Always vindictive. <laughs> I wanted the Niners to lose last year, and uh, I want the Bucks to lose this year. I wanted. Well, I can list off. I can rattle off some names of teams that we've lost to in the <laughs> NFC Championship yeah. here. Every that time seems to be uh, the Packers kryptonite, right? The <laughs> NFC Championship game. <sighs> Yeah, we've been in four of the last seven NFC Championship games and uh, gone zero and four in all of them. So I, I rooted against the Falcons, I rooted against the uh, the Seahawks, rooted against the Niners, and now I'm rooting against the Bucks. So um, 
Actually, I think all of them lost. So I, I say, yeah. Hey, hey, I'm I'm a good good track Hammer record. The you beat, <laughs> beat the Packers and lose to the to the Super Bowl champion. I'm I'm about it. Nice. You got the money. Actually, I'm not about it. I'm not about it, but uh, I'll take it. It's a small consolation prize. There you go. There you go. Uh, Durgan, do you have any final thoughts here before we wrap up? I have one comparison that I think you'll enjoy the most, Cyrus. And don't the Chiefs remind you of the Warriors with Kevin Durant? That they can be oh, absolutely. down. They can be down by ten points, fourteen points early in the game. But if you don't step on their neck, they'll come in that third quarter and just score and keep scoring, keep scoring. Next thing you know, you're down two scores. That's what the Warriors were. Warriors they'd be down fifteen points in the first quarter, second quarter, and then oh, okay, start playing now. Third quarter, next thing you know, they're up by seven, eight points. So I see yep. a lot of the similarities between those two dynasties. Um, I hope that the Bucks win because I'm don't want another Tom Brady. I've already dealt with one Tom Brady in my life. I don't want Tom Brady 2.0 and Patrick Mahomes. But the Chiefs are special. And they're, they're, they, even if they lose this one, they'll probably be in the thick of things next year. So get used to it, folks. Patrick Mahomes and his annoying girlfriend will be around for a long, long time. And uh, State Farm commercials, Head & Shoulders commercials, all that will be around, around for a long time, too. Yeah. 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 Well, let's wrap things up there on episode 76 of the Weekly Spiral. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in and sticking with us through this episode and uh, listening to our rants and rambles about Matthew Stafford and the Super Bowl matchup. Uh, before we head out, I want to give my co-host a chance to plug some content you should keep an eye out for. Casey, you want to let the listeners know what they should be on the lookout for? Yeah, this week. So if you want to see some of those blitzes and coverage rotations that I was just talking about, the the video breakdown this week will be on the Chiefs defense and how they utilize that to, to sort of confuse quarterbacks, get them to hold onto the ball and, and allow pressure to get home. Um, so that'll be out on Thursday. And if you want some more in-depth analysis on like general concepts that are going on in the NFL, um, some passing game concepts that you can you can probably find them in Madden a lot of the plays. Um, but those are on the site. I just released one on the stick concept. Good short yardage play. Straps the defense horizontally and, and lets your, your guys go to work in space. Um, so if you want to check that out, you can go to weeklyspiral.com. Nice. A little football 101. Love it. Um, yeah, weeklyspiral.com. Check that out as well as our YouTube channel. You can search Weekly Spiral on YouTube and you'll find us. Durgan, what about you, man? Any content you want to plug? Yes, but first, the stick route is a great Madden route on third and like third and three or third and four. Run that stick, you're going to first down every time. Oh, so, that's not better than Mesh. True. Mesh is good, too. Mesh is going to get some man, though. You can't run uh, Mesh <laughs> in zone. You'll get lit up. But uh, my, my uh, content coming out, uh, two scouting reports this week, Penn State's Pat Fryermuth and Oklahoma's Creed Humphrey. And then Sunday night, probably Monday morning, block draft will drop. So keep an eye out for that. Nice. Draft season. Draft season. I'm excited maybe. for it. You know, six pick and all. It's going to be great. It's not bad. Yep. Thank God you don't have that ninth pick. Thank God, man. What a difference <laughs> that, that makes. Anyways, <laughs> let's wrap things up there. This has been a weekly spot production, bringing you fresh football every week. Thank you again for sticking with us and tuning in. We hope whatever else you get up to the rest of the day, it is awesome, and we'll catch you next week for episode 77.